scientists, the politicians. Because how do we get more voices, different modalities, different ways of speaking and acting? and welcome back to the show. This is Rachel, and in this week's episode, I am very pleased to be speaking with Danny Chibinda. Danny is the Director of Housing and Social Services for Lusaka City Council in Lusaka, Zambia. Danny is also a graduate of the Master of Sustainable Development program at Uppsala University in Sweden, and I'm very excited to pick a fellow alumni's brain a little. Hi, Danny. How are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Rachel. I'm very well. Thank you. And how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So we'll start with some personal questions and then move on to some questions about your work. So to start with, very generally, uh, who are you and what organization do you work for? Well, uh, as you have stated, my name is Dan Chivinda. Currently, I have two jobs that I do. Uh, the first one is uh, that of uh, a director of housing and social services under uh, the Lusaka City Council, which is a municipality for the capital city of Zambia. And uh, the other job that I do is I work as a national consultant for a Swedish organization called International Center for Local Democracy, uh, which is based in Visby, Sweden, but uh, it operates in a, a number of African, Asian, and East, uh, East Eastern Europe uh, countries. Yeah, so that's about me. Yeah, very cool. I like that you you kept your connection to Sweden even past your graduation at Uppsala. Oh, yeah, it's it's been uh, wonderful. It even enables me to travel to Sweden once in a while, which is quite good. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. Yeah. So what are your day-to-day tasks? Okay, so in the, in the job that I do for the municipality in the capital city of Zambia, um, some of the works that I do include, for example, helping uh, residents in the informal settlements. Others would call them slums. Uh, to access security of tenure documents. So we facilitate what are called occupants licenses, which are security of tenure documents that are valid for 30 years. And these enable residents to invest in the uh, piece of land that they own in the informal settlements. And by so doing, we try to promote the issue of having uh, you know, uh, housing units that are you know, coordinated in the way they are built. And then apart from that, I also manage uh, public transport facilities. These include uh, bus stations where the public can access uh, public transport. And then I also manage markets where most of, the, most of the people that are involved in the informal sector are able to trade to sustain their livelihood. Uh, I'm also responsible for providing uh, technical support to the uh, utility companies that provide water uh, in the informal settlements. As you know, water is a very essential commodity. So I'm there to provide that technical uh, oversight to, to that. And then uh, for the Swedish organization, what I do is uh, I help different municipalities in Zambia, which is quite interesting. I work for the municipality, but I also work help other municipalities localize the sustainable development goals by way of them implementing change projects that last probably a year or a year and a half. And then they can learn, you know, some lessons from that on how they can localize the sustainable development goals. So in brief, that's what I can say as what I do. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Sounds very, very busy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. It is busy. 
Like when I'm off from the other job I do for the municipality, then I'm working on the other work. I mean, on the other tasks for the Swedish organization. So I, I'm always having something to do. That's great. Yeah. When you were 15, did you see yourself in the position that you were in today? Uh, I wouldn't say that uh, I saw myself in exactly this position. Um, I know that uh, I loved nature so much, even when I was young. Uh, why I say that is uh, my brother and I used to do a lot of uh, gardening. And some of the things that we used to do at that age was, for example, how to make uh, manure. So uh, I had so much interest in just using, you know, the natural environment to enable us to get, for example, food that could do, we could sell even at that age, or we could consume at our at our place. So I didn't know exactly that it was going to be this way, but at least I had an idea. Mm-hmm. So then how would you define sustainability? In my view, sustainability is about reconciling the human needs with the need to sustain the environment so that it can be able to provide the ecosystem services that humanity and other creatures need for their continued survival. So it's, it's, a, it's an issue of you know, reconciling the needs uh, of uh, the, the current generation, the future generation, in a manner that uh, in a way also promotes equity. What I mean is we shouldn't have a situation where some people consume more resources and others consume less, but we should strive for equity even as we are trying to strike that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great definition. So do you think that you actively incorporate sustainability into your life then? Yeah, absolutely, I do. For example, at my place, the issue of recycling, we take it very seriously. Um, where like uh, things that we know can be recycled, we are able to take them to the companies that buy them to reuse them. And then we are also able like to... Um, make our own compost out of the the organic waste. So we are able to separate our waste in short at our household level and make use of uh, the organic waste and what can be recycled. That is at household level. Then at my work, I work on issues of sustainability almost every day. The markets I manage, they also generate waste, which has to be managed in a sustainable manner by separating at source. And then even the public transport, though it hasn't reached an advanced stage, but we're working on, uh, for example, including issues of uh, cycling, walking, uh, in order to reduce the you know carbon footprint of our residents. So I'm always working on these you know aspects almost on a daily basis. Wow, that's that sounds very very impressive. So what is your top sustainability tip then? Uh, for me, my t- my top uh, sustainability uh, tip would be, yeah, like uh, uh, my tip is that everyone can at least do something, uh, regardless of who, what environment they have, they find themselves in. There's always something that you can do, either at personal level or professional level. You can always do something to, uh, not just promote sustainability issues from a theoretical perspective but even from a practical uh, perspective you know like the the way you you utilize uh, resources 
at your home, your workplace can have an impact on, you know, the sustainability uh, topic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, everything counts. So do you have a favorite sustainability resource that you inform yourself through? Uh, yeah, so, um, so usually I follow uh, the the UN sustainability, uh, I mean, sustainable development uh, go platform that gives like uh, an update of how countries are performing, uh, the best examples that are like taking place uh, in terms of sustainability. Um, so like I follow that a lot. But apart from that, even the uh, Swedish International Center for Local Democracy that I work with, they have a specific, I would say, uh, section within the organization that deals with sustainability. They even provide, for example, online training in uh, sustainability issues, and they give certificates to participants. So uh, though I don't take that training myself, but I'm always participating in terms of like looking at uh, uh, which topics should be covered and, uh, you know, to make sure that we are always up to date with the kind of information we provide and things like that. So there are quite a number of resources that uh, I, I, I I rely on. That's good. I think it's important to be well-informed yeah. from many different resources. Yeah. So what do you think needs to be done to solve the climate crisis, in your opinion? Yeah, I think in my opinion is um, mostly uh, governments find it easy to talk about uh, you know, changes at uh, individual level. But uh, the aspect of climate change needs structural adjustments. What I mean is we have all these structures that have been embedded in our system and it becomes very difficult to dismantle them. Like, for example, the kind of infrastructure that we have, for example, if it promotes the usage of fossil fuels, we need to start creating alternatives uh, that would promote green energy, uh, for example, or that would promote responsible consumption. But what we have usually are messages that are targeted at individuals. Yes, individuals can influence the structures, but that alone will not bring the change that we need in the shortest possible time. So at some point, in my view, to tackle the climate crisis, we need to make huge structural adjustments in the way our economy is is managed. Uh, an example I can give is like, uh, for example, BP has taken upon itself to put up recharge stations for electric vehicles. That is something that in countries like mine, nobody's thinking of that at the moment. I don't think we even have one, you know, uh, electric charging station uh, being planned for. All we see are just these fossil fuel or you know, base filling stations, mushrooming every day. So for me, we need to have those structural changes and countries need to work together to support each other to achieve those structural changes. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to some questions about your work. Uh, so what do you like about your job? Uh, what I like in my job is uh, working with people uh, whereby Sometimes you plan a particular intervention and then uh, you are able to see the results maybe within three or six months. 
I think for me that gives me the greatest satisfaction and also the passion to continue working. When I see that smile on somebody's face that, yes, what we planned, I'm now seeing the results. That's what I like most about my work. Oh, that's so nice. Sounds very gratifying. Yeah. How did you end up in this position? Okay, so um, when I started uh, my work, I worked in a rural area where the levels of deprivation were very high among the people. So I helped those communities like do projects. Some of them were funded by donors. And then uh, through the results that I was able to achieve in those projects, the, the government of the Republic of Zambia um, like identified my potential to, to, to perform for, for the society. And then that's how they elevated me to the position that I'm in now. And then for the Swedish uh, uh, organization, it's through the same work that I was doing for the community. So the Swedish government gave me a scholarship to come and study in Sweden. And then when I studied there, I came back to Zambia. I started to you know, implement some of the things I learned. And then uh, the Swedish embassy, they contacted me to let me know of uh, you know, the, the position of uh, the national consultant who was going to be working for that organization. And through that, I applied. Uh, of course, five of us applied. And they picked me based on my experience. And I've been working... Uh, so I've been working for them for three years now, but I've been working for the government of Zambia uh, through Ministry of Local Government, where I am. I've been working for uh, 13 years now. That's great. I'm sure you've seen a lot of great projects pass over your plate in that time. And is there a particular one that you found most memorable in all that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, there's one that I worked on with the Swedish organization. Uh, it was called Know Your Neighbor Project. So this project, it was actually focusing on two aspects of the Sustainable Development Goals. One is the uh, Sustainable Development Goal number 11, which is sustainable cities and uh, communities. And the other one should be Sustainable Development Goal number 12, which is responsible consumption. So that project, what was involved was that uh, there's a community where the levels of crime were so high, like people were being killed. For, for body parts to be used for rituals. And then also the, the amount of garbage which was being dumped in that community was so much such that it formed like heaps, uh, historical garbage heaps were like everywhere in that particular uh, loca- locality. So I worked with the community there to do what was called Know Your Neighbor Project. So basically it was about knowing who is your neighbor, what are they doing in terms of... Uh, look how they manage their garbage and if they're in that community what are they doing are they the ones creating the crime levels to go high so the community was able to come together they formed clusters of about 25 households so like each cluster had 25 households and they were they were tasked to work on issues of garbage and crime prevention and i can tell you that one year down the line that project managed to bring down the levels of crime and there was no garbage heaps in that community. And what is interesting is the government of the Republic of Zambia actually opted to adopt that particular concept and apply it in other communities. And as I'm speaking now, even the United Nations uh, Development Program, UNDP, they have actually picked on that program and they're working on it. So it was something that I started 
working on with the community, but it has had a big impact to a level of the government and the UN actually having interest in that particular project. Wow. So incredible to see that the work that you're doing is actually brought not only at the local level, but it's brought up to the high level as well, up all the way up to the UNDP. That is so impressive. Yeah. Must have been very, very um, gratifying to see that your work paid off in that way. Yeah. So um, what is the main challenge that you face as a sustainability professional then? Uh, I think the greatest challenge that I face is that uh, uh, most of the communities that I deal with, they are still like uh, living in uh, abject poverty. So for them, even when you go there with a message of sustainability, sometimes it doesn't make sense because all they're interested in is survival. So it takes a lot of work actually to just bring, you know, to the four issues of uh you know, like sharing with them on the issues of sustainability uh, because they feel like they just need to survive. So for me, that has been the greatest challenge. Uh, but uh, even 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 in that situation, uh, sometimes it takes a bit of some time, but people get to understand when they realize that actually the aspect of sustainability also you know, tackles issues of reducing poverty, uh, you know. So at the end of the day, it's like it touches them. It is it, it, it goes right at the center of what they're trying to, you know, to, 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 to resolve what they grapple with every day. So I would say that has been one of the greatest challenges, yeah. Wow, I can imagine that would be difficult. Yeah. So do you have any upcoming projects that you are excited about? Uh, yeah, there's one project. It's just been delayed because of COVID-19 uh, pandemic. But it was a project that we're working on with the United Nations uh, that's hab- Habitat, uh, UN Habitat. Um, so basically, it was the, what they were calling City Resilient Plan, whereby you, you we came up with a plan that is uh, going to prepare the city to uh, be climate resilient. So it was going to involve changing the infrastructure, changing the settlements, uh, just to make sure that whether we have floods or we have droughts, at least the city can still thrive. Uh, That was quite an interesting project um, because it involved, for example, protecting the water sources or enhancing the water provision facilities it involved issues of having evacuation centers in case maybe we have a tropical storm like the one uh, that devastated parts of Mozambique and Zimbabwe and including Malawi last time. So it was quite an exciting project. But then because of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, things have been slow because it involved a team that was coming from the regional uh, or let me say the Africa uh, um, center for UN Habitat, which is based in Kenya, and they were bringing in other experts from Italy and everywhere else, just to share you know, different experiences, different tools that we could use to develop, you know, that proposal and ensure that it's funded. And we work with the community through participatory slump upgrading uh, to just make sure that the city, because. Uh, right now, Lusaka, if you look at the demographics, 70% of the population lives in the informal settlements, 
where the infrastructure is poor, service provision is poor. So that project was supposed to answer to those challenges those communities face. So I hope that uh, it will still be implemented uh, when things get better. But uh, I believe that is one project that excites me and I look forward to it uh, being implemented. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sounds like a very inspiring project. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So how do you see your professional self developing in the future? Do you want to continue with the city of Lusaka or move away or? Um, at the moment, uh, of course, one time I tried to uh, to join like another international organization because even the Swedish organization I work for is international. Uh, but uh, it hasn't been easy. Uh, sometimes maybe you get to have an interview, other times not. But then uh, I'll still continue doing what I'm doing because it's still rewarding. I'm still able to achieve good results with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, sometimes I feel like maybe I should also move a step into the private sector. Uh, I have this idea of setting up, you know, a social enterprise that I'll call steps. Steps meaning that we keep on like uh, improving things. And when we reach what we feel is the best, it never ends there. Like you have to keep on improving. And the reason is that uh, I, I think there's a vacuum in, for example, providing uh, facilities or uh, consultants that promotes like uh, green building standards, uh, that promotes, uh, you know, sustainable transport, that promotes issues of uh, tools or equipment that can be used for people to, for example, manage their waste at household level. So sometimes I feel uh, I should probably just not focus on just work, like working for organizations, but maybe I should also start something in those lines. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Sounds like there there could be a big uh, opportunity for creating impact there as well. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It could be a good opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any specific work goals that you're working to achieve? Uh, I think, like for now. Um, one of the goals I have is uh, to see how, uh, like the city of Lusaka, uh, where I work, can be able to be at the center of, uh, you know, sustainable waste management. Why I say that is we spend so much money on mostly transporting waste that is commingled to the landfill, and then uh, we. Spend that money which we spend, uh, we spend it on, for example, buying fossil fuels, which add to, to the climate crisis. And then that landfill is not well managed. The methane from there also adds to the climate crisis. So I believe that if we can reach a level where we minimize how much garbage we need to transport to the landfill, but instead create value out of it, uh, like for the entire city, not just a section of it. Uh, that is one goal I believe I can still add um, uh, my, my, my knowledge, experience to achieve. Mm-hmm. Then apart from that, we've been working on this project of uh, trying to protect the water sources within the city uh, because there was a research that was done where it was uh, actually found that uh, about 60% of the population or so uh, depend on uh, 
open sewer systems which are contaminating the water sources in the city. So what we are trying to do is to come up with a system where uh, people, if they build their homes or if they are building public infrastructure, the kind of sewer system they put there is one that doesn't contaminate the, the water resource. So that is one other thing that we've been working on with the support of the German government. Uh, so I participate in those programs and I hope that it's something that we can achieve to ensure that the water security situation in the city is uh, not compromised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. <laughs> how is your sector adapting to the trend of sustainability then? Okay, how we are adapting is, uh, uh, for example, we are trying to see if the municipality um, can have policies in place uh, that promote the issues of uh, uh, sustainability. Uh, for example, we we are making sure that maybe for every tree that is cut in the city, two or three are planted. And also just making sure that uh, we promote more of uh, cycling because that's something that has not been promoted for a long time. Um, and then... Uh, uh, that project actually it's being done by way of uh, providing maybe cycling lanes, walkways. Uh, so that's how we're trying to to adapt uh, uh, to issues of sustainability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So the final question I have for you is: Do you have any tips for someone who is starting out a job in sustainability? Yeah, I think what is uh, very important is to. Uh, have that perseverance because I know uh, sometimes when uh, you have just like started work, people have done things in a certain way. They are used to it. So for you to come up with new ideas, sometimes they would ask, uh, who do they think or who do he or she thinks? uh, I mean, what do they think they are? For them to just come and think they can change the way this organization has been working. We have experience. This is how we have always done things. So sometimes you find that resistance, but uh, you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. Uh, What is key is to sometimes lead by example. Uh, Show the people that, yes, this can be done. And then from uh, what they'll see, they'll be able to learn and also maybe change the way they look at things. Uh, You'll be able to transform their perspective and begin to believe that indeed issues of sustainability are key to society. They are key to individuals. They are key to the nation. Yeah, so it's, it's very important that you should be able to be focused, should be able to persevere, and uh, you should be able to demonstrate so that people can really believe in what you are saying. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, those are some really great words to end on. This has been such an inspiring interview. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danny. It's been my pleasure to be part of this interview. And uh, I wish to encourage you to continue with the good work that you're doing because sharing these uh, perspectives from different parts of the world is what is going to make us learn from each other, uh, form synergies and see what is common, what is different, what we can do together. 
So I just want to encourage you to continue with the work that you're doing and share it more with uh, other people. Thank you. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. (laughs) Well, thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. I learned so much and I am so inspired. (laughs) Okay, Rachel, thank you for the time. Bye-bye. Okay, bye, take care. You too. podcast was produced by Laura Messner, Rachel Gradeen, and Olivier Roustan. This episode was hosted and edited by Rachel Gradeen. We would like to thank today's guest and fellow MSD alumnus, Danny Chiminda, for sharing his professional story with us. Big final thank you goes to Jacob Rosane for providing us with the funky music. If you enjoy this podcast, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at The Masterpods. We post new episodes every Wednesday. If you want to talk about your sustainable profession or know someone who you think should speak to theirs, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at masterpods.eu. Talk to you next week, everyone. Bye.